This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. Well, praise God. We're in a new series this month, and uh, I titled it Kingdoms. And uh, because there are actually two kingdoms that are operating in this world system. And there's the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of righteousness, and you have the kingdom of darkness. And, uh, and, you know, we have to learn how to operate in the kingdom of light. How many people are walking in the kingdom of light? Amen? Amen. And so we have to learn to operate in the kingdom of light. And we talked about last week, we, uh, I just started, this is part two. Uh, I talked about uh, that the devil is, is, is the, uh, the lord of darkness and he's, he's, he's running the kingdom of darkness. And he is called, you know, I call him the king of pride. And really that's what he operates in is pride. And we know that Jesus would be considered the king of humility. Amen. And Jesus was the hu- humble servant that laid down his life for each one of us. And so you could really say, you could break it down to this. You know, if we're going to, you know, walk with God, we have to walk in humility and walking in humility is walking in obedience. Oh, Pastor, did you have to go there this morning? Yeah, if you're going to walk in humility to God, you're going to have to walk in obedience to God. Amen? Jesus said this way, why call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I ask? So, you know, it's more than just us saying a prayer on a Sunday morning and saying that we're committing our life to the Lord. If you're really, truly committing your life to the Lord, you're going to follow the Lord. Oh, thank you for that amen over there. Amen. And we're going to follow the Lord. So, so really, it, it, it goes to that. I, I, I like this scripture. Um, it's in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 1, verse 18, it says, Let us reason together. Though your sins may be as, as, as scarlet, they can be white as snow. And so, you know, uh, Jesus can make our sins white as snow. Amen. In other words, when we put our trust in Jesus, we don't have to go on our own right standing. We can go on Jesus' right standing. But the next verse, it says this. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat what? The best of the land. But then there's another stanza after that. And nobody likes to, you know, you don't really hear the other stanza from some preachers. But I'll give you the, are you guys ready for the next stanza, that verse? If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. I don't want that side of it. I want to eat the best of the land. I don't want to be devoured by the sword. But there's always two sides of it, of the Bible. And, and I think a lot of times we hear and, you know, sometimes you, you listen to some preachers and some of them are really, you know, they, they, they're preaching. Some of them specialize on the what I call is the grace, the super grace message. And uh, we need to be very careful that um, that we're not buying into this idea that grace covers everything that we do in our life. And uh, it covers when we're walking upright before God, but grace does not cover sin. And so we need to get an understanding of that. Now, we know that we can miss it and we can stumble and we can fall. And thank God, great God's grace is there to help us. But we're not we're not here to intentionally walk in sin. Amen. Let, let's look at something here. Let's look at some scriptures pertaining to contrasting uh, pride with with humility. 
And uh, it says here in Proverbs 8.13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. This is Proverbs 8.13, New King James Version. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance, and the evil way. And the perverse mouth I hate. Now, you think about this, you say, well, God doesn't hate anything. Well, I mean, God's a God of love. He doesn't hate. Well, He does hate sin. He may not hate the sinner, per se, but He does hate sin because of what sin can do to us. It can destroy us. It can separate us from him. And so he hates sin. And so, so, so sin is destructive. And so here, what it says in Proverbs, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and the perver- perverse mouth uh, God hates. So in other words... Um, you know, life and death, or actually the Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Yes. And so we can speak life or we can speak death. Yes. And so I'm going to say this to you today. In the kingdom, and, and it operates very similar, but in the kingdom of light and in the kingdom of darkness, you're sowing. As, as Christians, we're sowing, and, and if, we're, if we're sowing wrong words, it can, it can cause the kingdom of darkness to operate in our life. If we're sowing right words, it can cause the kingdom of God to operate in our life. Amen? Amen? So we want to we wanna speak the right things. For instance, when God was bringing the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage, and he was bringing them into the promised land. Uh, the problem with the children of Israel was, was that, that um, they, they weren't thankful for what God has done. You know, they, they, they lost their thankful attitude and they weren't too gracious because when they were in the wilderness, they started thinking about, you know, they were getting manna. God was raining manna, supernatural bread from heaven, the Bible says. And uh, they started despising the manna. They start despising uh, the wilderness. They start despising that. Even though the God was making it as comfortable as possible in the wilderness, they started speaking against God, against God, uh, against Moses, and they started speaking things that were negative. And God got to a point where He said, He said, out of their mouth, whatever they say shall, shall be. So, so in other words, they would they, they were saying like things like this: God's going to kill us out here in the wilderness. We're going to die out here in the wilderness. And so they were putting their faith and trust in their circumstances. Even though God was supplying their needs, there was a, a, a cloud that followed them during the day that, that, that kept the heat off. Then there was a fire by night that kept them warm. But they, they didn't see the blessing. All they could see was what they didn't have. And we got to focus on, um, listen, if you're walking with God... Don't don't be cursing your life. Don't Amen. don't be cursing your family. Don't be cursing your church. Are you hear what I'm saying? How, how do I do that, Pastor? We're just speaking against you know the church, speaking against other people. We don't want to do that. Amen. And so here uh, it says in Proverbs eleven two it says when pride comes then comes shame, but with a humble is wisdom. So so humility brings the wisdom of God. But, but pride brings shame. Amen. In Proverbs 13, 10, it says this way, By pride and insolence comes only uh, contention, but with the well-advised, s- skillful, and godly wisdom. So pride and insolence comes only contention. What does that mean? 
That means that, do you ever, I don't know, do you know people that always, you know, maybe some Christians that always seem to be arguing with people, fighting and fussing? Do you know anybody like that? They're always trying to prove a point. They're always, you know, seem to be trying to get into a debate. They're always trying, do you know anybody like that? And and, and a lot of times when they're doing this, they're, they're, I I call it the know-it-all Christian. They know it all. Have you ever come, uh, you know, and and you can't tell the know-it-all Christian anything? Because they know it all, right? <laughs> and so, and so, and, and a lot of times they want to try to uh, enforce their opinion on people, and then they want to, you know, and and they want to, you know, speak their opinion and and try to, you know, um, and a lot of times their opinion may not go with the Bible. Amen. And you're trying to talk to them about the Bible, about what the Bible says, but they don't care about the Bible. They care about their opinion or the traditions of men. Amen. Amen. And so and so when, when they're when they're bent in doing going that route, uh, you know, you can't talk to people like that. See, a person that's in pride is unteachable. Amen. A person that's in pride, you can't teach a person that's in pride. Amen. You, you, you know, you can, you know, you, you, you've heard that old saying, you can bring a, a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Amen. Amen. And so, again, you, you can't teach a, a, a person that's in pride is they know it all. They, they're unteachable. They want to go with what they want to believe. Amen. This I'm going to say this, that uh, we're going to get into this a little deeper, but I'm going to say this, that, that the word of God is our standard. And so because it's our standard, it's the word, it's our standard, we have to go with the Bible regardless of human opinion. And we have to go with what the Bible says regardless of how we feel about things. And so, again, this is what gets us in trouble. And this is what gets most Christians in trouble is that most Christians don't read their Bible. Let me put it this way. Most Christians don't study their Bible. Most Christians, they watch more TV and they get more of the world than of the word. And so then and then and then a lot of Christians, you know, um, they have a perverted sense of what the word says. And so we have to we have to go with the Bible. I, I think some of us might need to just turn off the TV and turn on the word of God Amen. because the word of God will, will change us. Amen. And uh, I think there's going to be some people surprised. I. You know, I was watching. Um, I was watching something from my Facebook feed. It was uh, Pat Robertson interviewing this uh, Bill Weiss. That that um, Bill Weiss was a man that had a vision of hell, and uh, you know, uh, he had, he spent twenty three minutes in hell, and he, of course, in his interview, he says twenty three seconds is way too long. You know what I'm saying? And uh, but he explained his, you know, his. Um, you know, what he experienced in hell, and it sounded pretty hellish. And, um, and so, but what he explained it, and, 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 and the Lord, you know, he was a, he, uh, you know, when God gave him the vision of hell, he, he was not a backslidden Christian. He, he was following God. He was, but, but God wanted to reveal him, give him the vision of hell, because a lot of people don't believe hell exists. And, and they did a study, and about 50% of Christians don't even believe there's a hell. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And, and, and the Lord said to him when he was giving him his commission about telling people there is a true hell to shun and a heaven to gain. He said, even my own people don't believe in hell. 
You know, Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Hello. Why? Because many people, if they don't get themselves for Jesus, are going to go there. Do you know that 69%, 69% of people profess that they're Christians in America? 69%. And do you know only 1% believe that they're going to, uh, well, let's say 99% believe they're going to heaven. <laughs> Out of that 69%. 99% of these people believe they're going to go to heaven. I hope so. I hope so. But listen, if you don't have, listen, if, if you don't have God in your equation, if, if they're going to convict you of being a Christian, is there any evidence in your life, in your lifestyle, in how you live your life, is there any evidence of God being in it? Amen. And if there's no evidence of God being in your life, then God may not be in your life. Or maybe the only evidence of God being in your life is just a Sunday morning, an hour and a half of Pastor Dave. That's not enough. Amen. I'm going to say it again. You know, I'm good, but I'm not that good. You know what I'm saying? I can't, you know, I, I can give you some word. I can, give, I can point you in the right direction, but you're going to have to get a Bible. Amen. You're going to have to start digging into the word of God. Amen. Amen. Because the wrong preacher can steer you the wrong way. Amen. The wrong preacher can, and, and listen, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. The wrong preacher can, can, can man, if you let, man, we, we don't worship personalities. Amen. We don't worship people. We worship Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so we need to worship Jesus. So uh, th- this is um, a good one. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twelve says it this way. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty and before honor is humility. So, so this is saying that when we start uh, humbling ourselves, you know, it, it takes a humble person to follow God. Amen. Oh, it, you know, some people will say, and sometimes the world will say, oh, those Christians, they're weak people. They got to have Jesus as a crutch, you know. And, and, and you ever hear people say that sometimes? You know, they say, you know, Christians are weak because they need to have a God to stand on. No, no. Actually, Christians are stronger than the people that aren't following God. Why? Because we got to pick up our cross. We have to follow Jesus. Amen. We pick up our cross. In other words, we deny ourselves. And and, 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 and even to the degree of, of, of being rejected by other people. So really, it takes, it takes some inner strength to follow Jesus. It takes nothing not to follow Jesus. Amen. It takes nothing to follow your own ways. Amen. It takes nothing to go with the, with the crowd. Anybody can go with the crowd. Anybody can run with, with the, you know, the world has a certain way of how they run. And anybody can run like the world. But how many people are going to stand up and count for Jesus? How many people are going to stand up and be light in a dark area? When people don't even believe that there's a hell. When people don't even believe that there's an eternal judgment. How many people are going to stand up and say, there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain? And I'm telling you, man, I, I want to be as close to Jesus as possible. Amen. And 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6 says it this way. Uh, it says this, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourself in humility. So the Bible is telling us that as Christians, we need to put on or clothe ourselves in humility. 
as you relate to one another, for, for here, here it goes, this is 1 Peter 5 through 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So here, he's saying here, he's saying that, we, he's saying to the, this is Peter writing, he's the Apostle Peter. He's saying, submit yourselves to the elders, or submit yourself to the church, or submit yourself, put yourself under a pastor. Amen? He's saying, he's saying yield to a pastor. And pastors are God's people to help you uh, make it to heaven. <laughs> to help you live a, a victorious life in Christ. To help you bear fruit. To help protect your life. I'm raised up to watch over your soul. Yes. So honor the pastor. Why? Come in and, and come to church and, and honor the word that's coming out of me. Amen. Honor the word that's coming out of the pastor. Hallelujah. And so we need to do that. And, and so don't, don't think that you're smarter than the pastor. Some people think that. Jesus. And you might be, but you're not here. You're not standing here. Amen. God's given me the grace to do this. Now you may have some grace, but uh, wait, you'll have your chance. Amen. Amen. See, see, I'm going to say this. Your gift will always make room for you. As you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will raise you up. I'm going to say this, that, you know, a lot of times we put our faith in men to promote us. You need to put your faith in God. Amen. The Bible says, you know, uh, promotion does not come from, from the south or from the west or from the east. It comes from the north. So don't put, your, don't put all your eggs in one basket and trying to please a person. You need to please God. Amen. And God will raise you up. Amen. So he says it this way. He says, dress yourself in humility. And then he said that God, now this really gets me is God, God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, God will set himself in opposition to somebody that's in pride. James says this way, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6 and 4, 7. Therefore, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we see that there's two people. We have James and we have Peter that was raised up. And both of them are saying that God will set himself in opposition to somebody that's in pride. In other words, I don't want to get on God's bad side. How do you get on God's bad side? Get in pride. Amen. Get in pride. You know, get get haughty. Get in pride. Uh, I'm, let me give you three keys that, that fuel pride in a believer's life. Because I'm going to say this, that sometimes we're in pride and we're not aware of it. Amen. Have you ever been in pride and you weren't aware of it? Amen. And so we need to be very careful because if we're in pride, we can find God can actually be coming against us. He could be opposing us, let's put it that way. God is always for us, but he can be opposing us when we're in pride. And I don't want God opposing me. I don't want God, you know, um, you know, the Bible says this way. Listen, men, if you don't love your wives, the Bible says that your prayers would be hindered. Do you know the Bible actually says that? So, men, if you're treating your wives bad, then in a sense, God is opposing you in your pr- 
Oh, you hear what? Ladies, ladies, can I get an amen on that? <laughs> amen, ladies, right? So, so, so men, you know, start treating your wives good. Amen. One of the things that happened in the book of Malachi, if you ever read the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi is an interesting book. It's the last book of the, uh, uh, of the Old Testament. And in that, uh, the, the people got slack the, uh, from the priests down to the layman. They all got slack in giving out their offerings. They weren't really doing what they were. They weren't really honoring God in the way that God wanted to be honored. And so and one of the things they were doing was they weren't really giving any offerings uh, that were worthy of God. Amen. And they were they were actually dishonoring God by giving, you know, really bad offerings. Back then, how they gave an offering, they would give a sheep and the sheep had to be with no blemish. It couldn't be sick or ready to die. But a lot of them would say, oh, there's the sick, ugly, broken down sheep. Let's give that to God. You know, but no, God doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your best. Amen. And so they, they were giving the, the worst and, and God spoke through the prophet and said, you wouldn't even you wouldn't even give these broken down sheep to your governor. You know, you would you would you would you would treat your governor better than God. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And then then one of the other things that were uh, that that was an indictment with the people in, Ma- in the book of Malachi is that the men treated their wives bad. Oh, you hear what I'm saying today? And they needed to straighten up there. Amen. And so that was another indictment that that the men were. And I guess it could go for the ladies, too. I guess ladies could treat your ladies. You, Amen. I won't go there, but <laughs> the Bible says for the for the ladies to honor the husbands. The Bible says for the husbands to love their wives as as Jesus loves the church. And gave his life for the church. So if the husband is truly loving his wife, I don't think the wife's going to have a problem honoring the husband. Okay. Well, at least uh, at least the ladies like me this morning. Amen. <laughs> the men are saying, I'm going to go home and watch some football. I'm not going to think about this message. But anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, turn the football game up and say, wife, don't bother me until the game's over, right? Okay. <laughs> How do ladies always want to talk to the men when they're watching football? No, I won't go there. But anyway, pride is fueled by us putting our trust in ourselves. So, so pride can be fueled by us putting our trust in ourselves and our own insights of what we think is right and our own accomplishments and our own strength. So this is, this is the thing. We need to be very careful that we're not, we're not putting our faith in our ability to get things done. You know, there's a, there's a, a popular saying that, that goes this way. It's, it says, God helps those that helps themselves. And I understand what, what the person is trying to say is saying that, you know, you need, you need to get up and do something. But really, the Bible doesn't say that. Some people may think, isn't that scripture? No. God helps those that ask him for help. In other words, a lot of times where the world is geared, the world is set up in teaching you self-help. You ever go to the bookstore and there's a self-help section? Self-help. No, we need God's help. Now there is now, now there is some truth to self help, you know, but you know, uh, you know, willpower can only go so far, but spirit power will go further. Amen. Sometimes you need the power of God to break alcohol off your life. Sometimes you need the power of God. You just can't do it in your own strength. Amen. How's it working for you? Have you tried? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Pastor, I can't seem to get past it. 
you got to get God involved in your life. You got to allow God to come into your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You got you got to pray and ask God to keep you from sin that day. Every day you need to be praying that God's will be done in your life. Every day, amen. And so here, so 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 pride is fueled by us putting our trust in ourselves. It says in Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. Amen. And, and he's talking about godly wisdom. Uh, let's go with the uh, Amplified. He who leans on trust in and is confident in his own mind and heart is, is a self-confident fool. Think about that. He is confident in his own mind and his own heart. But he who walks in a skillful and godly wisdom shall be delivered. Amen. Proverbs 26, 12 says, says this. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Amen. You know, the Bible says there's people that, 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 that declare that there is no God, that God is not, doesn't exist. And the Bible calls those people fools. Fools. You can look around. You know that there's good and evil. And if there's good and evil, you know there's a God. Amen. Amen. You can just look at the planet and the mountains and, and the, everything that we're here that that's here on this planet, and you, and you know there's there's an inward knowing that there is a God. Amen. Amen. Eternity is all it, it's placed in each one of us. Uh, I like Ephesians. It says it this way: Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Bible never told us to be strong in ourselves. The Bible says be strong. In, this is talking about spiritual warfare here. When you start thinking, I, got, I, got an, I can handle myself against the devil. There's no devil in hell that can take me down. No, not, well, they can take you down because they're smarter than you. If you don't have God in your equation. Devil, devil's, the, the devil's been around man for 6,000 years. He knows how to deceive us. Amen. But, you know, if you're walking with God, the devil can't deceive you. If you're walking in the truth, the devil can't deceive you. It's only when we get out of truth and that gets us into deception. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? That's why we got to be. Listen, listen, listen. You got to love God. Yeah, you got to love God. But 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 to love God, how can you tell if a person loves God? He loves God's word. What what was that, pastor? Listen. God's word and God are inseparable. Amen. So, so the word of God, if, if you love this, you love God. Yes. But if you don't love this, if you don't have one of these, you don't read one of these, then it may define that your love is a little shallow towards God. Amen. And so really, the mark of somebody that loves God is somebody that loves God's word. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And if you don't have a love for God's word, then you really don't have a love for God Amen. like you need to. Praise him. Amen. I used to pray. And now, now when you get saved, and you receive Jesus. It's not all. You know, when I first got saved, man, I was addicted to this thing. Amen. I really got saved. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I was reading my Bible all the time. Praise you know, I was listening. I was watching something on my Facebook feed. And it was and it was about this man that do you know that these 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 countries 
like North Korea and these oppressive countries, North Korea is probably the worst for Christians to live in. How many people want to move to North Korea? Okay. And, um, and, and there was this man that was, and they will throw you in prison if you own a Bible. Think about that. And there was this man that owned a Bible and they, and they, and they threw him in He claimed to be a Christian and he went out into Christianity and they threw him in prison. And he prayed day and night just to get a Bible in his hands. And, and, and pretty soon they, 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 they allowed him to work outside. And he was able to leave that place because they didn't have a fence, I guess. Get back to his house and his wife was able to give him a Bible. Sneak a Bible. And he, he was able to sneak a Bible into his cell and read it. They found out. They beat him. They took the Bible and ripped it up. They, put, they, they, they did all. And you know what? He, he would not give up. He, he, he would keep trying to get the Bible. Think about that. So, why? Because the, because the Word of God is life. It's life. God, it's God breathed. It's not just a history book. It, there's life in God's word. I'm telling you, you read the Gospel of John and it will change your life. Get a Bible and start reading it and say, Lord, speak to me through your word and it will change your life. And the reason why some of our lives aren't being transformed because we're not loving the word like we need to. We're not in the word of God. It's not transforming us. We're being conformed to this wicked world system. Can I get an amen in here? And so, and so we, we need to be strong in God. Amen? Uh, so, 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 what, so pride is fueled by us putting our trust in ourselves. And we need to be very careful about that. Um, I like what Paul says. And Paul, listen. The Apostle Paul really... I was talking to a Jewish believer this week. And uh, he was... And he, uh, matter of fact, he's the, the, the pastor of the Jewish synagogue in Norfolk. And I had a meeting with him and was talking to him. And uh, do you know that the, the traditional Jewish person, uh, they're, t- they're taught to hate Jesus. Is, are you hearing what? No, they, they call Jesus all kinds of names. I never knew this. They call him a thief, a liar, you know, an imposter. You know, they really, they don't like Jesus. And I was, I was asking him, I said, how did you get saved if you were in a Jewish home that really kind of, well, he, she, he said his parents never really, really went that, you know, they weren't, they were nominal Jews, so they weren't that into it. But, you know, he went to a Bible study, he was invited to a Bible study, and he started reading the Jesus of the New Testament, and, and, and all that he heard about Jesus, it didn't equate to what was in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, Jesus is a good man. <laughs> Jesus healed people. Jesus delivered people. Jesus set people free. Jesus was about truth. And he said, just then equal up. And so as he started listening about Jesus, he, he, I, Jesus started drawing him and he got saved. And you know what? His, par- his dad, as soon as he th- said, Dad, I got Jesus, his dad slapped him. <laughs> what? Are you hearing what I say? Slapped him. Slapped him silly. You, you know, and, and, and then try to, try to get him out, you know, tr- you know, try to get him away from Jesus. But you know what? It's stuck. This guy's a pastor now. A rabbi. Amen. Preaching the gospel. And guess what? His whole family saved. His mom, his dad, his brother. Why? Because you know what? He stood regardless of the opposition. 
And when you stand for God, regardless of what is opposing you, God will raise you up. There's going to be opposition. Especially when you want to try, when you're trying to walk with God. The devil, you, listen, some of us have been walking with the devil for so long, the devil doesn't want to let you go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He doesn't want to be kicked through the curve. The devil doesn't want to be thrown under the bus by you. See, if you've not, if you haven't been following God and, and, and you're just, you're a new Christian, before you were saved, you were walking with the devil, believe it or not. Because if you're never bumping into the devil, you're probably still tra- traveling the same road with him. And when we start walking with God, there's going to be opposition. Amen. The, the enemy's going to try to do everything again to pull us back down into that pit of mediocrity. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so, and so the Apostle Paul, he, he you know, at, at all, you think the Jews hate Jesus, they hate Paul even more. My God. Why? Because he, man, this guy was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was, he was diligent to the law. And man, this, that's, that's a proof right there. I mean, that, that Jesus is alive to turn up a, a man like Paul around that persecuted the Christians and put them in jail and had them murdered. Are you hearing what I'm saying, Jay? That's a testimony that there's a God in heaven. Amen. And then this is what Paul says. He says for, for, uh, this is in, uh, this is in the scriptures. It says it this way. For we are of the circumcision and we worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, of Hebrew, of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. What is Paul saying here? Paul's saying, man, he was raised up. This guy is educated. This guy, I mean, he had clout. This guy, with the other Pharisees, other Pharisees would see Paul coming. This was before Paul received Jesus. And they would say, oh, hey, Paul. And they were like patting Paul on the back. You're awesome, Paul. You you got it down, man. You're a Pharisee of Pharisees. Man, he had all the accolades. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? But when he received Jesus and started preaching the truth, then guess what happened? All his Pharisee buddies started hating him. And they wanted to kill him. And he was trying to preach the truth to them. He said, listen, guys, I used to walk that walk. I used to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. I used to be under the law. I used to think that my good works got the job done. But it's not about my good works. Uh, That's a false sense of righteousness. It's not about me being good. It's about Jesus being the Son of God. He's the only good one. And he paid the price for my sins. Now, I don't have to be perfect. I can put my trust in a perfect Savior. 
I don't have to be perfect. Because every time I hear about another law, it just condemns me. The law will condemn you. Grace will exalt you to the position where God wants you to be. Grace will always lift you up. The law will always push you down. You can never do enough under the law to appease God. You, can, you can't do that. But, but if you receive Christ by, by grace through faith, then you're saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so Paul was saying, listen, he had all the degrees. He had, he had everything going for him in that system. But he was willing to let that go to walk the, sometimes the lonely road of a Christian. In other words, he lost all his friends. And are we willing to lose some friends over Jesus? Are we willing? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Are we willing to let go of some of these unsaved people that, that, that we're hanging out with and, and, we're, and, and it's dragging us down? Are we willing to let go of these people? Some people think, you know, some sinners think, well, if there is a hell, I'll just party with my friends down in hell. There's not going to be a party down in hell. You're not going to be partying. There's no communication with other believers in hell. There's, there's, there's no joy in hell. There's no hope in hell. There's no, there's no fellowship in hell. Actually, sin destroys fellowship. Sin destroys fellowship with our Father and destroys fellowship with one another. Amen? Amen? So, so Peter, uh, it's, Peter's an interesting guy, and, and Peter, uh, he, he was the guy that, that was, you know, with, his, with the other disciples, uh, Jesus, in Matthew 16, uh, 13, 14, Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And some was saying, you're this person, or you're that person, or you're this. And, and then he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Son of God. You are, you are Christ, the Anointed One. You are Jesus, the Son of God. And uh, Jesus said, blessed are you that, that, that um, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And, and on this truth, the, uh, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. On this rock of this truth. What's that? The truth that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is who God says he is. Amen. Amen? He's a child of the, he's the son of God. He's a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. And this is interesting. Sometimes when we get a victory in God, we get prideful. Sometimes when we have a win in God, it can produce pride in our life. Or when God starts answering our prayer, we start thinking, well, why isn't this guy's prayers being answered? I must be something special. And so Peter had a direct revelation from God the Father about Jesus. And then, you know, uh, a few um, uh, scriptures later, Jesus uh, is talking to Peter. And Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be raised up. And Peter rebukes Jesus and says, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. He's rebuking Jesus. Think about that. He's rebuking Jesus. And Jesus, you know what Jesus said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Whoa! Peter just heard from God. Peter just found out that Jesus, just getting that revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. You think Peter would have smartened up and not, not, not try to rebuke Jesus, you know? He just had a revelation that Jesus was the Son of God, not just a mere man. 
But, but Peter said, no, forbid it that you go to the cross. And, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Amen. In other words, we as Christians, we can yield to the wrong spirit at times. Amen. If we're in pride. And I believe Peter had some spiritual pride working. And then, then you know, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Satan has requests to sift you like wheat. Why? We open the door through our pride for Satan to come in and try to destroy our lives. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? Through pride, it gives Satan um, uh, legal right to come into our life. And then, so, so Jesus, now the next scene is, uh, Jesus is in, in the upper room. This is right before he's going to be betrayed. He's, he's, uh, they, they're, they're having uh, uh, supper, the Lord's Supper. And Jesus, you know, washes the disciples' feet. And Peter is the only one in the group who says, no, not me, Lord. You can't wash my feet. I think Peter's doing a little bit of pride. And Peter said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Of course, then Peter said, well, wash my hands and my head too, you know. Of course, Peter was a little overzealous. But, But Jesus was trying to demonstrate the fact that we're called to serve one another. Not to criticize one another, not to down one another, but to serve one another in humility. And then Jesus said, listen, guys, as they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane, listen, guys, you're all going to fall away tonight. Because it is written, you know, that the... That uh, that I would you know the shepherd would be be struck and uh, and the sheep would be scattered and and so Jesus is actually quoting scripture here and and uh, Peter said I'm not going to deny you <laughs> everybody else can deny you Jesus but I'm going to stick with you man I'm very careful with church members says Pastor I'm behind you I'm behind you every step of the way you know and then you know you know I preach a couple messages that gets them upset and you know they're they're not there anymore. You know, they, they're behind me. They're so far behind me, I can't even see them anymore. I'm behind you, Pastor. Where are you at, man? You said you had my back. I got you, Pastor. That's what happened. Remember Peter? Peter followed Jesus, but at a distance. Remember that? Peter followed Jesus even into, the, into where he was being tried. You know, he followed Jesus from a distance. Amen. Are you hear what I'm saying to you today? Is this, is this, is this helping anybody today? Amen. Amen. So, so we can get caught up in spiritual pride. Amen. And so, and so pride, uh, <laughs> number two, pride is fueled by putting our trust and confidence in men to deliver, promote, and help, or to validate us. So, so when we put our confidence, instead of God, when we start putting our confidence in men, uh, it, put, it gets us in trouble. Listen, I'm going to say this. Listen, people aren't your source. Amen. What do I mean by that? Just because, you know, if you ask somebody to do something and they don't do something for you, listen, they're not God. Amen. You ask God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? People aren't your source. Sometimes we put too much pressure on people. No, we put pressure on the Word of God. God will take care of you. 
It says in Psalms 146, 3 and 5, it says, Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There's no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Psalms 118, 6-9 says, says it this way, The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph of those who hate me. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princesses. Think about that. In other words, some of us, you know, we, some of us, and what the enemy will try to do is get us to uh, put people on a pedestal and to worship, in a sense, we idolize people. But we're not supposed to idolize people. We're supposed to idolize Jesus. People aren't supposed to be idols. Yes, they can be people that we look up to and, and we, we appreciate. But we should, we should not, we, nobody should be an idol in our life but Jesus. Amen? And so uh, it says this in Jeremiah 17. Okay, let's uh, go to Psalms 33, 16 through 20. It says, no king is saved by a multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, it, behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him and those who hope in his mercy. To deliver the soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. O soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Now, this is what I'm saying is sometimes we put our faith and confidence in people to deliver us. And, but we need to put our faith and confidence in God to deliver us. Amen. We put our faith and confidence in the, in, the, um, in the court system to deliver us. But we need to put our faith and confidence in God to deliver us. We put our faith and confidence in the doctor to deliver us from our disease. But we need to put our faith and confidence in God to deliver us Amen. from our disease. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Some, some Christians have more faith in the doctor than in God's word. Doctor are, doctors are great. They're really great when you've got no faith. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But we need to put our faith in God. You know, it's, you know Gideon, uh, in, in, in the Old Testament, Gideon, before, uh, before Israel had the first king, Gideon was raised up to help deliver Israel from some of the, their enemies that were attacking them. And the reason why Gideon was raised up, he was called a judge, is is because, uh, because the people uh, of Israel turned their backs on God and started worshiping other gods. Now, I don't know why, but they started worshiping other gods. And because of that, that opened the door for the devil to come in and to, and to attack them through people. And so Gideon was raised up uh, in Judges 6 uh, through 8. And, and it says here in, in Judges 6, 1 and 2, it says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens and caves and strongholds which are in the mountains, in which they were hiding in the mountains. And, and, and so it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, uh, God sent uh, uh, came and, and spoke to Gideon to, to raise him up to set them free of the enemy. And it's interesting, God waited for the children of Israel to cry out. 
You see, see, God is not just going to deliver us just because we're under attack and we're doing some wrong things. No, he's waiting for us to call out to him for deliverance. And we got to get to the point in our lives when, when we're tired of losing, where we're tired of being beat up by the devil, where we're tired of being beat up by poverty, where we're tired of being beat up by sickness, where we're tired of being beat up by strife, and we're tired of it. We just need to cry out to God. And God was waiting for them to turn away from their gods and start crying out to God. And an angel came to Gideon and called him a mighty man of valor. And he said, mighty man of valor, I'm raising, you know, God's raising you up to, to, to set at liberty the Israelites. And so, so the angel said that. And the angel said, listen, the first thing you're going to have to do is they're worshiping Baal. And you've got to get rid of that altar, you know. And, uh, and, and you need to set up an altar for God. And you need to put a, a sacrifice on it for God to get you moving in the right direction and get the people in the right direction. And so, you know, you know even though God called him a mighty man of valor, he was too afraid to do it during the day. He did it at night. He tore down that, 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 that altar, and, and he tore down the statue, and he burned the statue, and he, and he and made a sacrifice for the Lord. And the next morning, the, the people of Israel started complaining, why did they tear down the false god? And they wanted to kill uh, this man Gideon over it. And they talked to Gideon's father, and Gideon's father said this. He said, if Baal is so powerful, why don't Baal take care of Gideon? Why don't Baal kill Gideon? And Baal couldn't kill anybody because he's a false god. And then when they realized that this god that they were serving wasn't prospering them, they turned away from Baal and turned back to God. Listen, if you're not prospering today, if if you're in strife today, if you're living a little bit in the world, more in the world than in God, then you just need to turn your back on the world and turn to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so Gideon was raised up. And this is so interesting because I'm trying to focus on the fact that we don't have to have a lot going for us to win in this life. And Gideon is a perfect example of this because God raised Gideon up. He raised an army of 32,000 men to fight the enemy of over 100,000 men. And so he had this army and God said, listen, you have too many people in your army, uh, Gideon. You need to scale, scale the army down. Ask the people who, you know, they're about ready to go into battle against over 100,000 people that, that were against them, the Midianites. And, and he said, ask the people, whoever is scared, they can go home. So, so Gideon said, I'm making an announcement. Is anybody scared and afraid that you're going to die in this battle? Uh, if you're afraid, if you're a little nervous, you go home. You know how many people went home? 22,000. So it went from 32,000 to 10,000 people. And God said, listen, you know, I don't want the people thinking because of your might and just because you had 10,000 people that your power may set you free from your enemy. You know, in other words, God didn't want them getting caught up in pride. He said, you need to scale your army down a little bit more. And, you know, and then Gideon said, okay. And he said, when you go to that lake and everybody starts drinking water, th- there's, there's going to be some that's going to drink water and they have their, they're, they're, they're drinking water and they're lapping it like a dog in the water. They got their, their behinds up in the air. You know, if, and they're not, and the other people are, are taking the water and they're looking and they're drinking it and they're, you know. And he said, the people that are watching and, 
And, and, and you know, that's what, as Christians, we need to be watching. And we need to be aware that the devil's around. And that he's trying to get us. And we need to be watching. And they were taking water and, and they were very... And, and did you know that 9,700 people were licking that water like a dog? And God said, let them go. Turn, get them, send them back home. So, you know, so now his army is down from 10,000 to 300 men. Think about this. And God said, well, I think that's enough to fight against 100,000 people. Listen, it, it doesn't matter how much you possess or what you've got. You know, David only had a sling and a staff. Amen. But David was able to take care of Goliath. Goliath boasts about his ability and what he could do. And, and the devil can, you know, the devil has some things in his arsenal. But we have greater things. We have the power of God that can cause us to overcome. And so, so in the, in, in, so God uh, took uh, Gideon with the 300. And you know what he said? He said, I want you to do this. He gave him instructions. He's, he said, I want you to have a trumpet in one hand, give everybody a trumpet, and give a, 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 like a jar with a light in it, and go towards the enemy camp. I didn't even read where they even had a sword. So they got a, a trumpet and a jar, 300 against 100,000. Think about that. Does that sound ludicrous to you? <laughs> and, then, and then God said, now, when you get close, blow the, uh, blow the trumpet and break, the, break the, 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 the clay jars. Think about that. How crazy is that? But you know what? When they did that, God caused confusion in the enemy camp, and they started killing each other. And they started, and the confusion came of the enemy. And listen, when you start walking with God, sometimes God may tell you to do something crazy. Sometimes God may tell you to give into the offering. Crazy. <laughs> because he wants to get a blessing to you. And sometimes God will tell you to do something crazy. And when he does that, it will confuse the enemy. See, the enemy thinks he has you pegged. He thinks he has you figured out. He thinks he knows who you are. He's been watching you. He knows your weak points. But when you start obeying God, and when the enemy says, no, no, this, when I put pressure on them, they normally go to alcohol. But when he says, no, 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 I'm going to go not to JD, but to JC. I'm going to the Word. I'm going to worship. I'm going to church. I'm going to call the pastor. Oh, yeah. When you start changing up your routine, yes. it baffles the enemy. Amen. It puts them in confusion. When you start worshiping the Lord, and, and you got all this pressure to go the wrong way, start worshiping God. It will shut down the enemy in your life. Do the opposite of what the enemy is trying to make you do. Do the opposite. Gideon won that battle, and they had many, many years of, of uh, peace. They wanted to make Gideon a king. And he said, no, God is your king. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? David, you know, David, most people think that David, one of David's biggest mistakes was Bathsheba. And, she was, and that was a mistake on David's part. You know, he committed adultery. But the positive thing about David was he repented. And King Saul did some things, and it doesn't sound like what King Saul did was that bad, but what the, the, the thing about King Saul was he did not repent. Amen. 
And so what makes the difference between somebody that gets the grace of God and somebody that, that gets the wrath of God? Repentance. Turning to God. I don't know about you, but I want the grace of God. I don't want the wrath of God. I, I, I want the blessings of God. I don't want the judgment of God. I don't want to fight against God. I want God working with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And so David, one of his, but, but David didn't make a mistake. And he made a major mistake that cost it, it, people's lives. A lot of people's lives. And, and it's in 1 Chronicles 2, 21, 1, 3. It says, now Satan, 1 Chronicles 21, 1 through 3. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So that David said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, go number Israel from Bathsheba to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, may the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why should he be a cause of guilt of Israel? So, so, so God was already had people around David that was trying to say to David, don't have these people numbered. But David wasn't listening. He was tempted by the devil. So David, there was some pride in his life. And so David had the people numbered because he wanted to know how powerful he was. See, we don't put our faith in numbers. We put our faith in God. We, are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? We put our faith in God. Amen. My Lord. And so David was putting his faith in numbers. And the Bible said the prophet came to David and said, you have sinned. David realized he has sinned. And God said, well, there's going to be three things. There, judgment's coming. And so three things are going to, you, you can pick what you want. You can, you can pick like seven, I, I believe it was seven years of famine. Do you want seven years of famine? David said, I don't think I want that. <laughs> Uh, how about how about your enemy coming after you and, and and chasing you down for three years or something like that? I don't think I want that. How about a plague? Do you want a plague? What what do you want, David? You you chose to do the wrong. Now you now you gotta you know. And David said, "Well, I put I, I put myself in God's hands." So a plague came and, and destroyed a lot of people of Israel. And so David was so distraught about it, uh, he started praying. And God said, "Get an altar, make a sacrifice." And so he made a sacrifice and he got an altar and he sacrificed to the Lord. And he, and he found this place that was a threshing uh, a floor. And he, and, but, he, but David didn't own it. And the guy said, listen, and David said, I need this place to have an altar. And, and the guy that owned the place said, you can have it free. And David said, I won't give God something that won't cost me. So David paid full price. Listen, sometimes we're trying to get things free from God. And, 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 and we think, you know, and, and we're trying, trying to get away with things and get things free. But no, we, we, we need to pay. We, listen, the highest blessing is always on the altar of sacrifice. What do you mean you have to pay? You give your life to God. Well, pastor, I'm giving every Sunday morning to God. No, he wants your life. He doesn't want just Sunday morning. He wants your life. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? You. Hallelujah. You know, the third key is riches. And the enemy will try to get us having faith and confidence and trust in our wealth. And, you know, and Jesus talks about that. The rich young ruler that came to Jesus said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? 
And then he started talking about how Jesus said, well, have you followed the commands? Have you honored your mother and father? Have you done this? And, and, and the rich young ruler said, yeah, I've done all those things. And Jesus says, there's one thing you do lack. And the rich young ruler said, well, what's that, Jesus? Because I really want the kingdom of God. He said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. You have riches in heaven and come follow me. And the young rich ruler said, I can't do that. I'm too, in other words, he went away sorrowful. The rich young ruler said, listen, I'd rather have, the rich young ruler was saying, I'd rather have the things and the pleasures of this life than to have the pleasures of heaven in eternity. What he was saying was, I'm too attached to the world's goods. I'm too attached to my money. I'm too attached to that. So I'd rather have that now. But, you know, uh, I would like to have it all. But I'd rather have that now. In other words, his God and his idol was his wealth. And Jesus, and Jesus knew that was his idol. That's why Jesus was trying to get him free from that. But Jesus wasn't trying to strip him down or nothing and say, you're not going to have anything. Because even when Peter said, who can be saved? Jesus said, listen, you know, he said, with God, all things are possible. And he said, listen, if you leave house or mother, if you give up everything, you'll get it back a hundredfold plus persecutions and eternal life. In other words, what you give up for God, God will give it back to you multiplied upon multiplication. What you give to God, man, God is a giver. He's not a taker. He was trying to put this man in a position to be blessed not only down here on earth, but to have treasures in heaven. And some of us, we're trading off this life for money. Money is what motivates us. God should motivate you. Amen. If we're not, if we're not using our money to, to expand the kingdom of God and we're keeping it for ourselves, we're foolish. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Our money should be used to expand the kingdom of God, to win souls for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. We don't want to have money. The Bible, Jesus said, calls it the deceitfulnesses of riches. Don't run after money. Run after God. Don't allow money to turn you away from God. Run after God. And all these things will be added to you. He will add wealth to you and add no sorrow with it. Hallelujah. Do you believe that today? I'm telling you, God wants to get you in a position to have the blessing in your life. He wants you to be blessed down here. God's not against wealth. He's just against wealth having us. Listen, if wealth is not an idol, if your iPhone is not an idol, if you're, are you here? If you, in other words, if God says, give it away, give something away that's valuable to you, would you do it? I had a beautiful watch. And, you know, and I got to shut this down. I may have gave this before. And I love this watch. It was, it was sort of an idol. And I won in a contest, and that's why I liked it, because I, every time I looked at the watch, it was a victory. I used to sell jewelry, and I won this. It was a Gucci watch. Anybody ever heard of Gucci? And it, and it, it, was, it was beautiful gold, and you know, it, was, it was probably, one of, my, probably the, one of the things I, it was like a trophy that I wore on my arm. And, the Lord, and I was watching, looking at the pastor one day, and, and the pastor, it looked like he had a beat-up Timex. And the Lord said, this was when I was under a pastor, um, the Lord said to me, shouldn't a pastor have a better watch than that? I said, yeah, he needs to buy one. (laughs) 
<laughs> he needs to take up an offering for one, you know. And, and, and every week, the Lord, you know, the Spirit of the Lord, every time I'd see the pastor with that beat up Timex, and, and the Spirit of the Lord said, shouldn't a pastor have a better watch than that? And I said, yeah, he should, man. He really should. And the Lord was telling me, give my watch to the pastor. And I didn't want to do it. It took me three weeks. Get behind me, Satan. I didn't want, that watch was victory to me. But you know what? What's mine is God's. And what is God, what God has is mine. In other words, are you here? I, I had a, I had a, I, bought, I got him that watch. I was still in jewelry back then. I wasn't in ministry. And I gave him my watch. I was like, here's a watch. He said, and you know, the pastor said, this was the nicest gift he was ever given. And, 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 and he had real big wrists. And I had to order a link. It cost me more money, you know. <laughs> a link. And <laughs> he had, he, my wrists were small, but he had a big wrist. And I was like, God, I said, now I've got to order a link. It's going to cost me $40. And <laughs> I don't know if I got a blessing out of that, you know. <laughs> but are you hear what I'm saying today? But, but what, what am I saying? I'm saying we belong to God and God belongs to us. And what we have, we need to give to God. And what God has, he has already given it to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And we don't need to try to hoard or try to get this. No, we seek the kingdom of God. And we seek His righteousness. And all these things will be added to us. Let's go and pray. Father, we honor you this morning. We just thank you that you're so good and merciful, loving and kind. Father, we, we know, Lord God, oh, that you're good and merciful and that you don't want to judge us. You don't want us reaping the whirlwind. No, you want to bless us. That's your heart's desire. And Father, your word says if we'll judge ourselves, we won't won't be judged. In other words, if we just repent, which means turn to you and turn our backs on the the world and the world system and sin. Father, you said that, you said if we will humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, that you would hear from heaven and heal our land. So if you're out here today and you know you need a, you, 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 you got darkness in your life, you're not really walking with God like you need to, and you need to get rid of it, or maybe you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, and you're still in the kingdom of darkness, and you need to get out of that kingdom and get into the kingdom of light, because that's where the power of God that can help you in every area of your life. If you're ready to do that, just say this with me and me and your heart. Say, Dear God, I believe Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org. 